want to welcome everybody to the inaugural episode of Big Sky Big Takes, uh, a production of the Big Sky Podcast Network in the opening season of season 22, I guess. I wanted to tell everybody I'm the host for this one, uh, Colby Peterson from Weber State Weekly. want to welcome in my colleague tonight um, from the Eagles Power Hour and uh, and many other podcasts, including the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Kyler Neal, man. Kyler, how you doing, man, down in Houston? Oh, I'm good. It's, it's busy in the podcast world during football oh, season. Yeah. I mean, I have to go on like three to four a week. I'm, you know, over it. But um, I always enjoy talking to you. I've said this multiple times, even to your face. I think you have the best radio voice in the podcast network. So <laughs> anytime you can jump on, it already makes the podcast sound more professional because they have to hear my annoying, horrible, high-pitched voice. And then you just have this radio voice. It sounds professional. So yeah, I'm happy to talk big sky football with you, man. Absolutely. And uh, but the here's the here's the trade-off, folks. Colby might have the voice, but Kyler's got the analysis. So that's Ooh. why we keep him around. He knows <laughs> FCS football and he knows it well. So we'll let's see. talk a little bit about uh about big sky football, big sky big takes. That's what we're gonna do this season is uh today we're gonna we're gonna kind of highlight three of the the biggest, or I would say the most impactful games in the big sky conference. Would you agree, Kyler? What we're gonna talk about today. Yeah, there, there was a few like decent games, but these were definitely the ones that were the most important for conference standing, potential playoff caliber, you know, squads. Yeah, these three games. I mean, we, it almost seemed like one of them that we're going to speak about. It was almost like a playoff eliminator game. I, I mean, maybe yeah. it's not because it's so early. It's a first conference game of the season. But these some of these teams were like that middle tier squad where we're like, maybe they're going to jump up into that playoff caliber. Maybe they're going to get dropped down below. So one of them that we're really going to talk about, it seemed like a playoff eliminator for sure. But um, yeah. yeah, man, there's the three games we're going to talk about. Yeah, they were definitely the most monumental games in conference slate. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about those three matchups tonight. And then uh, as well, we're going to we're going to give Kyler and myself an opportunity to kind of give our weekly offensive and defensive MVPs in the Big Sky Conference. And then, uh, yeah, then we'll just kind of see how things go. And then from there, maybe we'll switch it up next time. We'll see. But um, want to encourage everybody, if you are a fan of Big Sky football and any of the schools that exist in the Big Sky Podcast Network, go ahead and check them out individually. Of course, Kyler himself, uh, you know, the proprietor of the Eagles Power Hour, um, not just football, but sometimes a little bit of hoops as well. But uh, right now, football is the name of the game. So if you want to know about what Eastern Washington has and what they're doing up in Cheney, go ahead and check them out. Red Turf repping up there. And then all of our other colleagues, of course, uh, we've got Tubbs at the club doing, you know, the University of Idaho uh, fan podcast. We have our friends, um, R&R CatCast. They're talking about Bozeman, talking about what's going on at Montana State. Riz Fan Pod. It's long, but it's worth it, guys. Yeah. You can get through it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, ourselves, uh, Weber State Weekly, talking a little bit about the, about, about the cats, uh, trying to get a redemption season after a disappointing um, end to the 2021 season. So uh, have I forgotten anybody? I want to make sure I didn't leave anybody out there, Kyler. So also the NAU, you know, sports yeah. show, they're kind Casey. of part of that network, Casey. Um, and he does quite a bit of things, not just NAU related. He does big sky shows. So, but yeah, I think that's about it. We're always looking for more. So if you're a Davis guy, if you're a Sac State guy, if you're an Idaho State guy, maybe we don't want you. No, I'm just joking. We do. <laughs> uh, Portland State, you know, we we need them all. So you guys reach out to us if you need to start a podcast, whatever. But we're always looking. It'd be great to have some type of um, podcast for every single big sky team, of course. Uh, But until then you just, you're stuck with us. So (laughs) we'll do our best to cover the the non schools that don't have a podcast. But like Kyler said, if you're a a fan of one of those schools and are alumni uh, alumnus and an alumna of one of those schools, and you're interested in starting a podcast, hit us up, man. Glad to help you out and get things going and uh, join the, uh, join the fellowship. Yes, sir. So, Kyler, uh, now that we kind of like we've plugged the stuff, we've done the thing. Let's talk about these three matchups. We're going to talk tonight about uh, that impactful game up in Cheney, Montana mm-hmm. State against your Eastern Washington Eagles. We're going to talk about the Weber State at UC Davis game last night. Late game uh, for us in the Central Time Zone. I went ended after midnight here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll have to give me a little bit of recaps on that because um, I, I tuned it off at about the fourth quarter because I thought it was done, but that was not the case. So uh, I'll be relying on you in that fourth quarter analysis. No problem. And then, of course, we want to talk about that Idaho at Northern Arizona game because, you know, at face value might say ah, Idaho at NEU Colby. 
But I'm telling you, folks, there's there's going to be stuff to talk about there because interesting things, I think, were revealed. Mm-hmm. So, Kyler, let's let's start with you guys' game up in Cheney. Um, yeah. Montana State coming to Cheney. Uh, what was the second year in a row that they they came to see you guys? Yes, sir. And I think, of course, you know, we were going to find out like, OK, Montana State is playing and, and a, a good team, a, a top, you know, a top half of the Big Sky squad. Obviously, Cheney is a tough place to play football. Mm-hmm. It is a difficult place to win at Roosfield. And so we were going to find out just, you know, how Montana State was doing because they've also had a ton of injuries. I mean, talk to Malik, I mean, a little set the table for us a little bit, man, for this one. Talk to us about kind of like what what was at stake going in to that game? Yeah, this one was really interesting. I mean, just because Montana State had so much hype behind them, right? Coming into the season, they were just, you know, this the title finalists in Frisco where they, you know, played North Dakota State. So there was a lot of hype. This program's been building for a while under Choate. And then they get Vegan. You know, he's also a North Dakota State guy. So it's been building in kind of this environment in Bozeman. They may be the power of the big sky soon. So we're kind of seeing where they are. But this year's been funky uh, for both of these teams in general. So Montana State hit with the injury bug. I don't think there's another program right now in the FCS that's been kind of dealing with the stuff that Montana State's had to. So coming into this game, they're already on what their fourth or fifth running back option. Yeah, and it's I mean, thin. It's it's extremely thin. I think um, was it during Moorhead State they actually lined up a wide receiver as a running back wow. for multiple plays yeah. um, last week against Oregon State. They had two quarterbacks in the backfield, sometimes at the same time, you know, not as a running passing option, but I mean, strictly as here's your running back. It's been a little bit funky for Montana state. I think they were down two DBs as well. So a very injured squad versus kind of a squad that is in the we're rebuilding or are you reloading phase, right? Yeah. Uh, Eastern Washington, they've had this history of reloading, but then also during some of these reloading years, they're a six and five team. Uh, they miss the playoffs every now and then after maybe a big stud QB leaves for one season. So a lot of people were kind of wondering who's this Eastern Washington team is Gunner still a guy who can sling the ball down the field. Do they have a running game? Um, do they have a defense? There's a lot of question marks between these two teams and um, the schedules that they've played so far. Didn't answer any of the questions. Montana yeah. state, the first few games against really easy opponents, pretty soft, uh, right? really soft. And then they play Oregon state who is very underrated. Um, they just went toe to toe with USC. Yep. So, I mean, you say barely survives with a win, right? I mean, people talking yeah. about that USC defense, but I think that that proved that like, everyone's like, Oh, Montana state got blown out by the Oregon state beavers. They're so bad, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the following week they play against USC. And I think that game was in Corvallis again, right? It was in Corvallis, a three point game. So yeah, the beavers are for game. real. Yeah, so, and- USC ranked seven going into that game. So it's like, this is who Montana state faced with all the injury problems that they had. And so you look at it and say, Oh, it's a blowout. It's like, yeah, but this is a quality FBS squad. Yeah. So it's one of those things. You couldn't take away anything from Montana state's performance. In my opinion, the last three weeks, they kind of dominated the games they were supposed to, and they lost kind of the game they were supposed to. And and I don't take, I don't take away too much from a, a blowout loss or even a close win sometimes against P five. It is what it is. Sometimes it happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Then Eastern Washington, kind of the same thing there. You couldn't really see who they were based off of this season. They played a very inexperienced and young, but talented Eddie George in Tennessee state. They were supposed to win. They did. Then they got blown out by Oregon. Who's really good. Right. Right. They're 15 in the nation. They, you know, dominated BYU. Uh, Actually Eastern performed better in the running game, but BYU's offense didn't look that much worse than Eastern. So or better than Eastern, I guess. So both of these teams, we had no clue who they were until they faced off. And I think we got to find out exactly who these teams were. Maybe not fully, uh, still a long season ahead, but what we know from Montana State is it doesn't matter if they're down running backs. Their identity is still running the ball. Um, and Eastern's identity is still, hey, let's get in a shootout. Um, I mean, that that's kind of what it is. So the identities haven't changed. I think now we kind of know what team is what. Uh, if, if Montana state maybe gets a little healthier, I think they can be pretty damaging. Um, yeah. So hopefully if can get better Malat, hopefully he can get better because he had a brutal hit on the ground. Yeah. So we're all praying for him to get better, but um, yeah, it was a fun game, man. And I am glad that this is going to be our, our protected rival that we get to play annually for sure. They bring a great crowd. All of our games have been close. Even when Eastern's good, Montana's bad. Uh, Montana state's good. Eastern Washington's okay. Um, so yeah, it is a fun game. But 
yeah, what was your thoughts on the game? Did you did you actually anticipate Eastern looking the way they did or Montana State with 400 running backs still being able to capitalize in the run department? Right. I mean, and so that, that's the thing that I was going to point out is that obviously like the run defense for the Eags uh, was a problem last season. It was mm-hmm. the thing that cost them the game against Weber State um, after, you know, because the Wildcats, that was the one thing that they really had going for them and they cashed in. And so they get lucky on the road against, I think you guys were ranked at the time and we were flailing because we had lost so many games in a row. Um, But that, that, that running defense, you know, sort of reared its head again, like, okay, it's a struggle. And it just so happened that even though the, the cats were injured, we knew that that's, that's a key piece of what vegan likes to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Isaiah Fonse is the best back in the conference. And so, yes, he's injured. Plus, you know, like you've said, a couple of guys that sit behind him as well. And yeah. so they're in dire straits. But that, I mean, it's sort of like what we say about Eastern. It's like, okay, is it an Eastern quarterback? Then he's going to be fine. You know, like we talked about before we went live, the fact that, I mean, any you, you could put a sack of potatoes in an Eastern Washington uniform under center, and he's probably going to be better than the top, the bottom half of the entire conference just because right. the coaching is so good there. And I feel the same way about the coaching staff in Bozeman that it doesn't matter who's going to be taking the ball um, out of the backfield. They're probably going to do a pretty good job because the coaching staff is so good. And so we saw, you know, that, that progress from them in that game. And so it's just a a, a function of a a strength, even though it's an injured strength versus uh, a weakness that is still being worked on and shored up. And, you know, we saw MSU 355 net rushing yards on the day Mm -hmm. in spite of those, those injuries. And so it's like, that showed, but on the flip side, what does Eastern Washington do really well, Kyler? Well, we have a pretty good offensive scheme. Uh, throw the ball. <laughs> we, we are explosive. We didn't throw as much as I wanted to, right? Sure. I, and I thought Gunner was actually playing really well. Um, it was very conservative passing the first half. We were, I mean, but I understand because the very two rushing plays we had were for touchdowns, right? Uh, Michael Smith broke out for two giant rushing plays for touchdowns. So I get maybe you go, all right, maybe we can continue to run on them. But then the next three drives, Montana State figured that out. They started shutting down the run department. We still weren't opening up the field. We still weren't throwing it. And then all of a sudden, the second half, there was a little bit of light. We go, hey, we're Eastern Washington. What do we do the best? We, you know, we do RPO options. We run screens. Then we spread the field. That's what they started doing in the second half. And Eastern Washington all of a sudden started taking this lead where you're like, all right, it looks pretty good. They're probably going to win. But then Montana State comes back. They force a key turnover um, yep. to kind of seal the deal. But yeah, both of these teams, they stuck to their identity, which was kind of cool to watch. Even when it wasn't going their way, both of them still had their strengths against the other team's weaknesses. They stuck with their identity. It was a battle. It was an entertaining game. It was a battle, right? And I think that um, it just shows, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've talked a lot. Kyler, this season already, this young season, that the Big Sky is probably the best it's been in a number of years, that it's yeah. it's pretty loaded. You know, each week when we go through and say, okay, who's going to be where in the pecking order of the Big Sky as the weeks roll on and we see the games played, uh, those there has been movement among the the number two through six teams, right? I think it's been pretty clear that Montana has been the best. Um, They've handily taken care of just about everybody they've played. And so they deserve to be where they are. But when it comes for two through six, there has been movement, right? And it's really, really tough when we're talking about, you know, the top half of the conference that they're just that good. So it's going to be a fun season. I think it's a slugfest. I, I don't, I've never seen the big sky this deep. Um, I mean, typically the big sky in previous years, you have your, um, title contending team, right? You always have that one team who can at least make it to the semifinals, something like that, be a title contender. And then there was maybe a quarterfinal team, maybe two max, but then it kind of dropped off a little bit from there where you have solid teams, but not great. I mean, we have probably two title contenders, at least one for sure. Um, but I would say maybe two to three. Then we have probably five teams that can make a run to the quarters, depending on the matchups. And then we have probably eight teams that are good enough to be playoff caliber teams. And then we have the four dumpster fires, right? But I mean, uh, <laughs> this is by far the deepest I've ever seen the big sky. And it's been fun to watch this season. I mean, we finally went toe to toe with the Valley. Um, you know, there was some mismatch matchups. I would have loved to see the top teams always versus the top teams. Yeah. But we went toe to toe with the Valley. And the nice thing was, our 
what is it? Seventh, maybe ranked team in the big sky when toe to toe is their number two. So, I mean, it kind of proves some things that maybe the big sky is finally on that same level as Valley or even passing them. We just maybe don't have that North Dakota state. Um, but Montana looks like they're building it the correct way, but yeah, the big sky's loaded. It's, it's interesting. Yeah. And so I think we should anticipate more games like what we saw in Cheney. Like you said, unfortunately the Eagles fall to the Bobcats 35, 38 in, you know, a, a thriller, I would say, man, because yeah. like you, like you pointed out, there was that late turnover that gave the Bobcats a short field and an opportunity to come back and score a touchdown mm-hmm. and put themselves up. Uh, that really kind of put the pressure back on the Eagles because at that point, you know, for them, the clock was their friend. Just, you know, let things happen. Maybe put a few more points on the board to make it a two-possession game and put it away. A key turnover, which Mm -hmm. I think, I mean, turnovers are always very important in football, but I think they are going to be especially important as Big Sky play gets started because turnovers are largely going to predict who wins because, I mean, we'll talk about the next game of turnovers uh, when, yeah. we, with Weber State and Davis, but I mean, yeah, because this, the, the conference is so stacked, it's going to be really difficult to give up one, two, three turnovers in a game and maybe not get them back like, uh, you're going to have a really deep hole to get out of because you can't make those kind of mistakes against a team that's just that good when you're talking about the top half of the conference, maybe the top three quarters. Yeah. Um, turnovers are going to be huge this whole season. I mean, like we've been just mentioning, there's maybe eight caliber teams that can be a playoff caliber team. We're not going to have eight teams in the playoffs, right? Uh, but there's at least eight teams who can play spoiler to the playoff runs in, in this conference this year. So turnovers is definitely going to be key. If you could protect the ball, if we protected the ball right there, we win. I have no doubt in my mind because the fourth quarter momentum Eastern was doing whatever they wanted offensively. Yeah. They were driving down the field. They were doing whatever we wanted. All of a sudden Montana state made it an amazing defensive play. Got RB to just drop that ball. I mean, it was a perfect hit. The fumble that changed the game. It set the tone. There's still a little bit of time for that comeback, which a little bit of controversy. But um, overall, I still don't blame the ref in that type of scenario because that fumble was the deal breaker. If you hold on to the ball, you most likely win. I mean, that that's what it is. If you hold on to the ball, maybe if you play a little bit better run defense, you win the game. But that that fumble was crucial. It, it's it was a perfect hit by Montana State. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about that last turnover because it, it was a weird play, right? Because yeah. the ball comes in, and it's it's a big chunk of yardage, which I think it was third down at the time. Like they needed yeah. that that chunk of yardage to it's continue like to move the chain. Yeah, and have a chance. And so the ball comes, you know, across the middle. And uh tell me the guy who caught it, but he catches it in the air. Yeah, it was Nolan Olm. Yeah. I'm so, pretty sure. Let me double check on that one, but I'm pretty sure it was Nolan Olm catches it comes down but then like the ball comes loose and and the camera angle was really like the way he landed and then you know the 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 corner is there with the safety right next to him and like this weird thing happens and the ball pops out into the yeah. air safety is there grabs the ball yeah that's the turnover and that's basically the game right like that's it and then there's controversy like oh is it is it really going to be this or should it be back there blah 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 like I don't know, man. Um, but that was a, like you said, a tough play that really, I think, like I said, crystallizes what we've talked about here that turnovers are probably going to be really, really key because there's so much parity within the conference this year that even a, the slightest fumble or a, 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 I don't know, what do you want to call that, Kyler? Is it a fumble? Is it an interception? How, how do you, how do you, I mean, on on the field, it's an interception, right? That's what it was called. Yeah, Um, pops up in the air. He hurries and grabs it. Yeah, I personally think it was either a catch or bare minimum an incompletion because I'm pretty sure the ball hit the ground um, after he was on the ground. But I mean, either way, like I said, I mean, the fumble, the drive before that was way more crucial. But yeah, it was it was interesting. It is what it is. It's it was such a quick play. I don't I don't blame a ref on missing that or maybe, you know, we're just blind. Maybe I'm blind, but that slow motion shot kind of made me go, ooh, that ball didn't really move once he brought it to his body. It was definitely in the air, dangling around his hands, but he, when he brought it to his body... And then, and then he went down. Seemed but like it was such a quick down. play. It, it is one of those things where you probably just have to keep whatever's called on the field um, yeah. just because it, it is such a fast play. And you don't really see when the ball got out of his hands. 
um, you know, where the safety got it is, yeah, it's a little tough, but yeah, I mean, that's what's going to happen in the big sky this year. It, it's going to be crazy. The fun thing about this game though, that we, you know, we didn't mention was just be just how the game pace was going. I mean, the first quarter, it looked like this was going to be a first one to 60 wins. You know, maybe yeah. both of these defenses are just absolutely trash and those Oregon games proved it. Then all of a sudden it settled in. It got really physical and de- there was a lot of defensive efforts for the next two quarters. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden the fourth quarter was a little bit a mixture of what we saw in the first and then the second and third. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was just a fun game. It was a fun game. It is what it is. Two solid teams going at it. But I got to give props to Montana State because of how injury battled they were playing on the red turf. Like you just said, really tough to you know win there. Now, there wasn't much wind. So that was a weird day for Eastern. It was a perfect weather day. But I mean, to come out with a win in Genie when you're that injured. Yeah, you're the better team. Impressive. So like you said, expect more of that, folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But now let's talk about Big Sky After Dark because I, I mean that's that's what I think the next game was. Uh, yeah. So the Weber State Wildcats take the trip down. Uh, they take the trip to the Causeway to, to take on the UC Davis Aggies, and uh, I think everybody knew that this game was going to be tough, right? That we, you know the Wildcats in the past few weeks had shown more new life on offense. The defense looked like its old self. Uh, defenses, mm-hmm. you know that you know, harken back to the 17 and 18 years when they was just absolutely dominant and, and, you know, put guys like Taron Johnson in the NFL. Great. That, that defense is back, but Davis, no slouch either. Right. I mean, they had played some really tough losses up to this point. Now, of course, the week before they had played San Diego handily took care of them in the first half, right? Like the game is over at halftime basically because they're up like 38 to seven or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, but, having lost to South Dakota state in Brookings the week before, and then lost a close one to power five Cal mm-hmm. uh, in Berkeley the week before that. I mean, Davis had something to prove going into this game. And um, of course, Alonzo Gilliam is going to be there. Who was your big sky preseason offensive MVP. Um, in my research, the thing that stuck out to me the most, of course, we know about Gilliam's speed and his yeah. ability to, you know, get yards after contact, but his hands, his ability to become a receiver in the flat, especially, I think that was really one of the most key pieces of this game because the Wildcats secondary we know is very, very good. Probably, you know, the, them and the, and the Montana secondary are the best in the conference mm-hmm. and two of the top in the country. But Gilliam and his hands just really made it tough on on the Wildcats. I was pretty shocked to to see how many times UC Davis was willing to throw that ball versus you guys. Right. Because you just mentioned it. No one has ever doubted Weber State's, you know, DBs. They're they're kind of DBU in the big sky. And now Montana is maybe taking that claim. But you guys still have a lot to prove. You can still battle for that title. But, um, yeah, that was a little bit of a shock um, that they were willing. What did they throw? Almost 60 times. Yeah. I mean, Miles Hastings is not afraid to throw the ball. He did it against uh, South Dakota State in the fourth quarter, too. He's not willing to put the team on his back and go, all right, we need to get some yards. Give me the ball. Let me let me make some plays. Um, I think UC Davis maybe lacks some talent, but by far they're one of the best coach teams. Yeah. Um, I'm very disciplined. Dan Hawkins, phenomenal coach. I think if they had Eastern's talent, Dan Hawkins as a coaching mind, that would be a very scary program. Uh, But yeah, I mean, this was a fun defensive battle. And I, I think people, when you just look at records and you don't analyze games, you go, all right, UC Davis, maybe not be that good. I mean, they put it to South Dakota State, and it wasn't their offensive schemes like when Jake Meyer was a quarterback and they had Keelan Doss and they were just thrown all over the yard and just beating people, um, you know, with their offense. This is a defensive heavy team. I mean, they held South Dakota State, who this preseason had what four NFL caliber dudes on their roster on the on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, they held them to 250 total yards. Yep. That's not supposed to happen. And that's in Brookings. Yeah. Tough at, place to at play. home. Yeah. Uh, against, you know, I think at the time, the number two team in the country. Yeah. Now they're now they're three or something like that. So still right. to hold the number, a top three team to only 250 yards. I mean, wow. they out, they out schemed them. Um, they just didn't capitalize in the red zone as much. And they had to play a little bit of catch up. But I mean, this is a solid, solid squad who is, seems to be relying themselves on their defense 
but they still have those weapons with Hastings that I was not a believer in until I started watching him play. He's a confident dude. And then of course you have Gilliam. He's a, he's a Swiss army knife. He could do anything. So yeah, fun team, fun game. I have a little bit of questions for you though, because it was a late game. You said big sky after dark. I turned it (laughs) off at about the fourth quarter because I was like, I don't think UC Davis is going to be able to do anything. Weber State's kind of got this in the bag. It's going to be an ugly, low-scoring game, but Weber's probably going to score one more time, and they got it. What happened in the fourth quarter? So I think the interesting thing was that um, I I had a a little bit of a different view on it because I felt like the game was one big play away from being out of reach for either squad, right? Because I felt that if the Wildcats were able to get a big completion to like Ty McPherson or to Jacob Sharp, who have has really come on in the last, you know, couple of weeks and has built some good chemistry with Bronson Barron, who has been much better this season. I think a lot of credit goes to new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Mickey mental for that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that if, if something like that happens, then the game is probably out of reach for the Aggies. But on the reverse, should there be a problem and Hastings, who, like you said, a very confident quarterback against He's a confident dude. A really, really good secondary. I mean, the Wildcats were not getting a ton of pressure on Hastings, like at all. Like, I, they, I don't think, I'd have to go and check. I don't know that they sacked him. Like, maybe they did once, but like, I don't know. Yeah, looking through, I don't see a sack. Okay. They didn't sack him. You know what I mean? And so just like there just wasn't that much pressure on him, which gave him the ability to kind of look for what he wanted. Because of course we know that like Davis's offense is set up to spread you out, right? That's what they want to do because then they can bring guys into the flat. You know, they have guys coming out of the backfield, like we talked about with Gilliam, but also, you know, a a guy's name who we haven't called tonight is Lan Larison, who is also just as good at coming out of the backfield. I think McAllen Castles is a legitimate NFL prospect. I mean, can you agree with that, Kyler? Like his size gives him, I think, an opportunity to potentially play in the league. Yeah. And so, should the defense make a mistake or I mean, there were problems with the offense for the Wildcats. Like they, right. were, they lost the turnover battle three to none. They yeah, did that, not that interception at the end of the third. And then I didn't see this, but the fumble at the, the very fumble. end of the game. Yeah. I Davis mean, fumbles the ball again at like the 30 yard line. And so Davis gets another short field mm-hmm. and they're down five points. So they're in a position where you have to go and get a touchdown. You can't just kick, even though, you know, we can talk about the woes that their senior kicker is having right now. Cause I think now at this point, uh, he's what, like three for nine or something. He's missed, a, he's missed a hefty margin. It makes a, uh, my kicking team uh, last year, not look as bad. Yeah. Right. And we talked a lot about that last season, right? About yeah. the fact that Eastern had, you know, problems with special teams and it probably hurt them in a few situations. That um, seems like what's going on with UC Davis this year. Yeah. And they, and, and I was, and I was stunned to see a senior struggle that much mm-hmm. because I, uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like at that point, yeah, you know what you're doing, right? <laughs> Do you know if there's been any injuries that he's had? Cause I'm not aware of anything that like maybe set him back. Like, you know, he, you know, uh, some type of broken toe, uh, ACL sure. tear. I mean, never know what's going on, but also I feel like kickers is just such a mental game. And once you miss a few that you just have faith, you're going to do that mental game can carry on the whole season. And this may be the Achilles heel for UC Davis. Yeah. I mean, cause we know after what we saw last night, I think we can all agree that like this Davis defense is absolutely solid. I mean, they are, they are really solid. I was going to put together a quick uh, reel for Weber state weekly. Cause I wanted to call out, um, he was actually a local, a local guy who was playing for Davis. Uh, what was his name? I need to, he's the one that had the two picks in okay. the, the South Dakota state game, um, a linebacker, but he is like Rex something. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I can look up. Uh, but he, I fully expected him to have a much bigger role, but Davis's front seven really, I thought did a good job of getting to Baron. I mean, they, he was hurried an awful lot and mm-hmm. the, the wildcat offensive line is pretty thin. There have already been some injuries. There were injuries in camp. And so, 
You know, there have been some guys that really have needed to step up. And I think by and large, they've done okay. But as the season wears on and the way that the Wildcats schedule is set up, it's going to get tougher as time goes on. You know, they're right. going to play Davis. Uh, there's a bye week this week. And then they will play the Eastern Washington Eagles for the homecoming game in Ogden. But we, I mean, if you follow Big Sky football for a while, you know, the Wildcats woes coming out of the bye week, they often come out flat. And so there's an opportunity for the Eagles to take advantage of that and beat the Wildcats in Stewart Stadium uh, and maybe continue a trend that started last year where Stewart Stadium was not the fortress that it had been previously. Yeah, that was weird because didn't you guys like go undefeated on the road, but then at home it was pretty brutal? Yeah. Uh, now, I mean, those were the tougher games. I mean, it just sure. happened to kind of lay it out there. But one thing that impressed me about Weber, because I've been kind of tooting your guys' horn on the FCS page all preseason. Um, I don't know if you have followed this. I said Weber say I think is going to be the second best Big Sky team. I think they're going to have deeper runs than MSU. And I got a lot of flack for that. But it was <laughs> like I was kind of telling people they were really battered with injuries last year. Yeah, Josh, the Josh Davis did not look healthy at all for most of the year. He because he wasn't. He right? wasn't. He um, and then you also had just this brutal schedule, kind of like an Eastern schedule this year. So one thing that I loved about this game, because this season so far, we've seen Weber State in just blowouts, just doing whatever they wanted. This was a game that kind of brought Weber State back to its original roots going. Oh, it, if maybe we're not ha- as successful on offense here, but guess what? We can still punch you in the face. We can still have this dogfight of a battle that Weber State's been kind of known for. They haven't yeah. been known for, you know, Baron throwing down the field uh, or doing whatever they wanted. They were a strong running team that liked to just punch you in the face and, and play an ugly, ugly style of football. And Weber State, they did that this week. So, yeah. I mean, being able to win on every facet, I think that's impressive. Yeah, you know, a very, a very vintage Jay Hill coached team <laughs> in game, right? Which is um, scary. A lot of people, you know, now Jay Hill is six and one against Dan Hawkins and, and the Eagles, but, or I mean, against the Aggies, sorry, mm-hmm. but, um, it's about that too. Uh, <laughs> well, he's ramped up. Uh, he's ramped up. He's had some recent success. We'll say that. Um, but, uh, those games against the, the Wildcats and the Aggies are always very close, except for the 2017 game, which was a blowout. Aside from that, these games have been very, very close. Yeah. And I think that people expected this to be like, oh, the Wildcats are going to waltz in there and they're going to handle Davis handily and it's going to be what it is. But it's like, no, 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 no. Like th- that never happens. That's not what yeah. happens. So, but yeah, it was just looking at the Utah State game. Everyone's like, all right, Weber is just that good of a team and UC Davis, they're one and two. So they're not that great, but you have to realize who they played. I mean, right. They went toe to toe with South Dakota state. They had a chance to go into overtime with them at the very end. And they just didn't capitalize on a two point conversion. I mean, that's all it was. This UC Davis team is going to be in a dog fight with a lot of teams. Yeah. So the last thing I was going to say about this, and then we can move on to the final yeah. game, Idaho at NAU was that going into this, confidence was gained week by week in new wildcat offense. You know, if you've Mm -hmm. followed Weber state football for a while, you've known that pretty much since 2017, the offense has been middling at best, right? We all look at what goes on in Cheney and go, gosh, I wish I had that (laughs) coupled that coupled with a a wildcat defense could be unstoppable. Yeah. That's a contender. Right. Uh, But we just couldn't seem to find it. Once Fessy Sataki took the job down in Provo with his cousin. Um, Now with Mickey mental, Things things look good. They the mm-hmm. scheme is there. You can tell the play calling is there. The plan is there. It's just execution where the Wildcats have struggled. And as the weeks have gone on, I mean, the schedule has been relatively soft. I mean, we can say that the Utah State game, while it is an FBS win, I mean, they looked bad against UNLV this weekend. Yeah. And we're talking about UNLV, right? Like yeah. this is a team that lost to Eastern Washington last season. Like. A, a very oh, usually a bottom feeder in the Mountain West Conference in mm-hmm. terms of football. Yeah, I, I don't. Here's the thing about Weber State's offense, because even here, if you just look at the scoreboard, you go, all right, they didn't really do much. You still had yards. You were still driving down the field. It was just those turnovers that kind of cost you. Right. I mean, it, you still had 300, what, 50, 60, something like that yards. You had as many yards as Eastern had. Eastern put up 33 points. So, I mean, if you can just capitalize on some of those uh, turnovers, Weber State's looking pretty good. Yeah. 
And so what I was going to say was that as the weeks have gone on, especially after that Utah Tech game, people in Ogden, I think, were feeling very good about the direction that the offense was going, starting to feel like maybe this is an above average offense that can hang with the top of the conference and maybe the top of the country. This game brought that all back down to earth, right? To say like, okay, Davis has a tough defense. We know that. We saw that. Um, If you paid any attention at all to the Aggies, you knew that this was going to be tough. And if the Wildcats were going to have offensive success against them, that was going to be a big tell for the way that things were going to go. Because we've been talking about three weeks in October. That is where the Wildcats season will be made against Montana State, Montana, and SAC. They they had a really, they had two really great drives. Mm -hmm. And then after that, the offense came to a screeching halt. Right. Like things just didn't happen. Like you said, they were moving the ball, but they just didn't get into the red zone yeah. again. And when they did, of course they converted, but I mean, it just didn't happen. And so after this week, I would say wildcat fans are maybe a little, a little bit more sober about the offense and the work that needs to be done because there are tough, tough defenses coming in coming weeks. Yeah, the majority of the Big Sky is now a defensive league where four years ago it was not. There was Weber State. That was it. Because even Montana was not a defensive team four years ago. And even Montana State wasn't uh, really before the Choate years. It was an offensive slant Southland style football. But uh, ever since Weber started becoming successful and winning four titles in a row, you kind of ruined it for us. So uh, now we get to be stuck with boring defensive football. So thanks, man. That's your fault. Blame the University of Utah <laughs> template from which this was drawn. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but all right, man, enough about the Wildcats and the Aggies. Yep. Obviously a, a big game. The Wildcats get away with one in Davis. They win 17 to 12. Um, wow. Impressive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, ugly win, but a win just the same. The Wildcats remain undefeated. So now let's talk about this uh, Idaho NAU game. Because I think that this is, of course, like the two games that we've already talked about are interesting and they've told us some things. But this Idaho NAU game, I think, told us some really interesting things as well. Idaho takes the trip up to Flagstaff. I think a lot of people don't realize how what the elevation is at Flagstaff, guys. It's 6,600 feet up there. Mm-hmm. It's high. That's yeah. like one of the highest in the country. I think only Wyoming's higher. Yeah. And that's FBS and FCS. So, you know, Arizona, Northern Arizona leads in terms of FCS stadiums at at elevation. Laramie has them beat just slightly by a few hundred feet. Yeah, it's it's interesting to play in Flagstaff. Oh, beautiful town. But it is interesting to play in Flagstaff. Weird games go on at the walk up Sky Dome. Um, So Idaho comes in um, some success against Drake, some good showings against uh, Washington State and against Indiana. Uh, so some some optimism, I think, for folks in Moscow, of course, with the, you know, with, with the entrance of Jason Eck now uh, giving that program life. Um, and of course, if you're a fan of Big Sky football, you want to see the Vandals do well, because that's just one more legacy team in the conference to really perform and just make it fun. Yeah. So so they come to NAU who. NAU, I, I don't know. What's your take on NAU this year, Kyler? Because they've had some bad showings. They've went, they've won some games. You know, it was sort of like a mixed bag of sorts. Yeah, NAU's been a little weird to kind of get a read on this year. And, and it's maybe more so because their opponents were maybe a little too hyped up. And I was a part of that too. So, of course, they looked bad against Arizona State. I'm not going to blame them for that. They were supposed to look bad. Yeah. Then they beat Sam Houston State, and they beat it in a way that Northern Arizona has never beat anyone before. It was their defensive effort. It was, what, 10-3, to 3, something like that. That is not a Northern Arizona game, especially against Sam Houston State, where I know if you're just a big Sky fan, maybe you're not aware of it, but Sam Houston State was one of the most dominant programs outside of North Dakota state in the last 10 years. And they are transitioning to FBS. They have added scholarships. So NAU went to Sam Houston state, which is a very tough place to play to They're, I mean, they've only lost one home playoff game out of their 30 playoff wins or whatever they have. It's ridiculous. Um, and that was against Montana, Montana state, state team yeah. who went to the national championship last year. Yeah. So very good team, but all of a sudden Sam Houston doesn't look very good. They, they went toe-to-toe with Tarleton State, who's a transitioning D2 to FBS team or FCS team. They looked really bad there. So maybe we're going that same Houston State win wasn't as impressive. And then they played North Dakota, who was getting top 25 rings. Yeah. This is not North Dakota State, guys. This is the fighting, the fighting Hawks or whatever you want to call them up there. Um, but yeah, North Dakota, it was a, such a fun, exciting game. Um, NAU had a chance to win it at the very last second. They ended up losing by two, I think something around there. 
but um, that was a top 25 team. Then all of a sudden, North Dakota just plays Southern Illinois this week. Gets absolutely murdered. And Southern Illinois lost to Incarnate Word 66 to 20. Yeah. So now we go. have had a weird season, right? Yeah. I think underperformed. Very weird season. But but then you start to go, all right, maybe NAU's opponents haven't been as great as everyone's propping them up to be. And I think Idaho kind of just proved it. Now, Idaho, like you just mentioned, they've looked really good to start the season. They had an opportunity to beat Washington State, who just went toe-to-toe with Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were competitive in the first half versus um, Illinois. That's fine. And then they beat Drake, which, yeah, Drake's one of the worst pioneer non-scholarship teams, so you're supposed to beat them. Yeah. Um, but this was a defensive effort by Idaho. Um, I mean, even offensively, they were kind of able to do what they wanted, but they didn't need to open up their whole playbook. But they shut NAU down completely in Flagstaff. Uh, you know, they have RJ Martinez. That's kind of, he was a freshman of the year in the big sky. Um, he right. was kind of that, that guy who we thought maybe is the best returning quarterback in the big sky. No, he did not look good at against Idaho. He threw for like 40%. Um, I was kind of impressed. They kept trying to slant, but that's only because the run game wasn't very successful either. Um, but yeah, man, this proved that Idaho's defense is for real. And what's impressive is their offense looks very capable. Their quarterback, McCoy, um, he threw, what, 95%? Yeah, 18 of 20. Yeah, there we go. Whatever percentage that is, pretty much 90%. So um, he was able to do whatever he wanted. Now, he doesn't stretch the field as much as some of the other quarterbacks, but he can make big throws. He's got a big arm. Um, But yeah, Idaho was a perfect scheme. And this is where I was kind of talking about. Maybe this was that one playoff eliminator game. Because I think now we look at NAU, which after that Sam Houston, when you go, they're a potential playoff team. Mm-hmm. Now we look at it and go, all right, I think they're closer to maybe that back half uh, of maybe tier four in the big sky than they are towards tier three. But yeah, Idaho looks good and it proved Idaho's going to be dangerous. Yeah, like you said, the, the Idaho defense really showed up. I mean, they shut down NAU in the second half. Yeah. You know, they they give up a, a touchdown in the first half. You know, the first two drives, bam, bam, right? So, okay, mm-hmm. we're tied at seven. And then you know, Idaho, they make things happen. NAU only gets one more field goal, and that's it. That's all they had all night. They didn't sniff the red zone again after that. Yeah. And so I think that it's a good sign for if you're an Idaho fan, because the defense really did a great job. And if you know anything about Jason Eck, he's a former offensive coordinator at South Dakota State, who, mm-hmm. like we said, number two team in the country right now, a good Valley program who has had a lot of success in recent years. Okay. They didn't win the national championship. Bison fans are going to remind you of that, but you know, a good team we expect Idaho's offense to take off at some point, right? Mm-hmm. Like as Eck gets his scheme in there, it's going to happen. But the surprise is that this defense is taking care of business. And you talk about scheme, Kyler, the thing that I think, you know, we can talk a lot about, uh, about McCoy, like you said, because Giovanni McCoy had a great game, 18 of 20. He threw the ball, I think when he needed to, mm-hmm. but even more impressive than that, 48 attempts on the, on the day um, on the ground. Yeah. The Vandals run for 200 yards on this uh, on this Arizona Northern Arizona defense, and in the Big Sky, you've got to defend the run well because if you don't, teams are going to eat you alive. Montana's yep. going to come get you. Weber State's going to come get you. Montana State, when they're healthy, are going to come and get you. Sac you know State. what I mean? Yeah, Sac State is going to come and get you. Uh, it's just that's what they do. And so if you can't defend that, you're going to have problems. And NAU showed that they can't handle that right now against, you know, nothing to take away from Idaho's running backs because, you know, Roshan Johnson is a very good back, had 25 Mm -hmm. attempts, 80, 85 net yards and two touchdowns. And his long was only 10. So he's just grinding it out all day, right? Just getting that junk yardage. But man, if you can't stop Roshan Johnson, how do you expect to stop Isaiah Fonse when he's healthy? For sure. Yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult. Now, Idaho, maybe the last few years have had the most talented front seven in the big sky. You could probably make an argument for it. Maybe it's not as, as fully accurate, but they've had a very talented front seven and their DBs kind of lacked a little bit. They look good everywhere. I mean, I don't see a weakness on this defensive side for Idaho. Um, I mean, uh, the holding, uh, now I'm thinking Daniels, holding Daniels, Nothing. I mean, they were averaging what two two yards a carry. 
not very good. Um, that's pretty tough. You're not going to win a lot of games in the big sky. If you're only going to average two yards on the ground. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I got nothing but good things to say about Idaho right now. They, yeah. they look like they could potentially be a playoff team. Still want to see them versus some of the other teams because now I think maybe NAU definitely isn't as good as they were week two. Um, they're kind of what we all thought they were week one. Um, they're kind of proving it. They are NAU. They're going to beat some teams, but they're not going to beat the teams above them. That's kind of the grade we've always given NAU. If you beat NAU, you're probably pretty good. If you lose the NAU, you're probably pretty bad. I still think they're that wall. <laughs> That's kind of what my, my take on NAU is. I think they're still that barrier. They're the gatekeeper. Well, what I would say is the caveat is this, because uh, there, Jay Hill has had some really bad luck in Flagstaff. <laughs> you're like, the weird anomaly. So that's what I was going to say. If you're playing NAU in Flagstaff, weird stuff happens, like yeah. you said. But if you're playing NAU in your place and you lose, yeah, that's on you. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I got nothing more to say about this. I mean, I know I'm, I'm happy they're back. I mean, it seems like they're back. I still want to see them against a Weber, a Montana, something like that to really see where they are. But I think they're a few years ahead of schedule. Once, once X starts getting his tight ends in there, getting his running backs in there, this is going to be a very dangerous program. Yeah. So Vandals get the road dub 27 to 10, um, a good win for them. So now a two, two game winning streak for them uh, and to open big sky play. I mean, things look good. The schedule is going to get a little bit tougher. There are some protected rivalries coming up. I think they have to go see you guys in Cheney this year, right? No, since so Montana guys- state's coming to us, your protected rivals. One's always going to be way ones at home to make it a okay. little more fair. So you guys so got to go to Kibbe. Yep, We got to go to Kibbe, which ever since they've come in, we've had really bad luck in the Kibbe dome. Yeah. So long as the kicking is okay. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. <laughs> Nothing weird happening. Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kyler. I mean, we've talked a lot, man. So yeah. I want to wrap up the show and just kind of get your takes on who you think is the offensive MVP and the defensive MVP in the big sky this week. Well, the offense was a little lackluster across the board um, outside of Montana blowing out Portland State. Uh, but a lot of that was special teams and defense, too. Um, so I actually have to give the, the offensive MVP to Chambers. Uh, Montana State's quarterback, the secondary quarterback, he came in after Malott was injured pretty bad. His head bounced off the turf really hard. Looks like a concussion. Hope he's hope he's healthy. Hope yeah. he's fine. But Chambers, not the best passer. His throwing wasn't very good. The difference is. He ran for about 170 yards on the ground. He was able to do whatever he wants, um, which was unfortunate as an Eastern fan. But yeah, if you needed on a third and six, Chambers, you knew he was going to take it, and he just was a bulldozer. He plays way bigger than 6'3". I'll say that. He looked like he was 6'7 out there, but agile. Um, yeah, he's a tank. And that's my offensive MVP. I don't think we can give it to, or I can't give it to anyone else. No, I can't either. Because in terms of the value that he provided for that Montana State team to come back and win, because that's the thing that if you didn't watch that game, you have to realize, folks, that Montana State comes back and takes the lead late against the Eagles to put the pressure back on them to say, okay, you have to beat us. And then the Eagles are in a pinch and they need to move the ball down the field quickly because the clock is running out under two minutes. Uh, Like you said, he did a great job. Chambers showed up, made sure to take care of his guys, get them what they needed, even though he's not the best passer. Yeah. Got it done with his legs. And I mean, game ball goes to him. Back. Yeah, he, he really did. Yeah. Uh, so let's flip the ball then, man. And let's talk about defensive MVP. Uh, a lot of good defenses in the big sky this week. I mean, some, some good defensive performances. Sack handling Colorado State yeah. and Fort Collins. I mean... Obviously, we've talked about the Wildcats. I mean, the Grizz did a great job against Portland State. You know, we know that, you know, Barney, uh, Coach Barney is a, he's, he's a, he's an offensive mind. Who's your defensive MVP this week? I, I hate it. Uh, I got, I got to give it to Robbie Houck. Uh, <laughs> I, I just absolutely hate doing that. Understandable. He's my least favorite player in the big sky. But I mean, his performance, you, you got to give him props. Um, didn't he, was it the Montana state or, or the Mon- Montana record or the big sky record in total tackles? He broke, I forgot what record it is, but he, he just shattered a record. Uh, you know, he took over the number one spot. I'm hoping it's only Montana, but, uh, knowing Montana, that could be a big sky record as well. Sure. But yeah, so he, he had that plus he had this, you know, field goal return for a yeah. touchdown just torched him. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a shutdown corner, which is weird because he's not big. Yeah, he's um, not. He doesn't look overly athletic. 
He does hit hard for his size, but he gets in your face. He's aggressive. And he was a huge reason why Portland state couldn't do much after the first few drives. Yeah. You know, Portland state has success early. Some, some, some trickeration, you know what I mean? They come out, they stun Montana with, you know, and go up seven, nothing very early in the game. And that opening drive, they have a little bit of success after that, but not much. The Grizz take over. Okay. You know, you're, you're at wash Grizz This is a very difficult place to play. Probably one of the most difficult in the country. So things happen. And I think that's totally fair. Even though I'm with you, I don't love how, you know, <laughs> as a, as a, a wildcat fan who has, you know, suffered at the hands of the Grizz many yeah. times. Uh, yeah, but I mean, you have to, you have to respect, uh, respect game. So I think for mine, man, um, a little bit of bias on this one because, uh, I am going to choose somebody from the Wildcats secondary because it was so clutch mm-hmm. against that Davis offense because Hastings was throwing the ball. There were, you know, lots of good outs. And so I wanted to give my offense or defensive MVP this week to Eddie Heckard because Eddie Heckard had some really, really critical PBUs. Now there were no interceptions in this game, uh, which they had their opportunities. There were a couple of drop balls Mm -hmm. where the Wildcats could have taken the ball back and it really would have been big for, I think confidence and also to get the defense off the field. But Eddie Heckard had some really critical PBUs that put the Aggies in tough situations that made them have to choose. And so a little bit of bias, like I said, for me as a as a Wildcat fan myself. But man, that Wildcat secondary was just so critical to getting that win uh, last night that I got to pick somebody. And I think it's Eddie Heckard for me. I don't think that's bias. I, it, it's bias if he didn't do anything, right? Sure. It's bias if he didn't have an interception, <laughs> right? Um, or I forgot. But yeah, no. Amazing defensive player, amazing defensive performance. And Weber State won that game off of their defense. Yeah, that's not bias. You're fine. Yeah. So, folks, uh, that's our takes this week for Big Sky Big Takes. Want to thank Kyler Neal from the Eagles Power Hour podcast for chatting with me a little bit. Uh, like we said, make sure to check out the Big Sky Podcast Network, folks, if you're interested in learning a little bit more about what's going on across the sky. A number of teams have fan podcasts. And so, uh, Glad to keep you in the know. Kyler, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with me, man. And uh, until next week, we'll see you. Yeah, sounds good. Have a good one, man. Oh, oh, oh.